You could turn to Luke in chapter 19. If you want, we'll start there in just a few minutes here with Zacchaeus. And many of you know I was a teacher for a long time. I taught high school at Harrison for 13 years or something like that. I don't know. It was a long time. But, uh, you know, I went through and gave a lot of tests uh, over the years, and I taught math. And so I wasn't necessarily, people didn't come into my room doing cartwheels, you know, excited uh, about math. And, and really, truly, that was one of the things that God put in my heart when I was going to become a math teacher. I mean, that wasn't the path I started in. And it had a couple forks in the road, and, you know, it went a different direction here or there. But when I finally got to the classroom, the idea and the thought was, and the thing that was in my heart was, to make math uh, enjoyable and doable. That was what God had put in my heart. And so it was more edutainment, right? It was about educating and entertaining at the same time. But people didn't love math. They didn't always enjoy it. And they really didn't like it when there was a test. You know, that was the day that everybody was sick. You know, that was the day that nobody comes to school. Julia's over here and Lance and some other teachers, Courtney. I mean, when there's a big test, that's the day where everybody <coughs> starts coming down with a little something. Right. And then they want to go home and then, and then they call all their friends and they try to find out what was on the test, you know, so that they can do all those kind of things. And then they come back the next day just as cheery as ever, like they'd never even been. I was so deathly ill, Mr. Skelton, I thought I was not going to make it. But today it's a miracle and I'm ready to take my test. So... Um, and I think many times as believers, we don't like tests any more than the kids like tests. But if you're going to have a testimony in your life, then you're probably going to have to go through a test or two because that's part of the word. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit about passing the test of your testimony, uh, getting through those things and getting to that point. But in, in, in Luke in chapter 19, it's a story about Zacchaeus. And I've, I shared this story uh, a bunch of years ago. I, I had to go back and try to fight it. It was like nine years ago that I started, I talked about Zacchaeus one time about divine appointments and those moments in time where, you know, Jesus is right there and you're right there and something really miraculous happens in that moment. And uh, I, was, I was reading this story and God took me to this point because, uh, you know, we all face things that are contrary maybe to what we think in our heart or we go through things that are difficult that we don't want to go through and, and we, we look at things and we say, I don't want to do that. We even try the old, and I don't, I'm not, you know, Mark 11:22 says, you know, speak to the mountain, cast into the sea, you know, as you believe in your heart, you know, you're going to receive the things that you speak. And, the, you know, it says that, it says that faith can move mountains, and I believe that. But I also know that there's opportunities in times of my life where I've screamed, yelled, thrown the word at, you know, I've done everything I could to the mountain, and God just said, would you just walk over the top of the mountain? If you just go over the top down to the other side, you'll be fine, and you'll be on to the next thing. You know, I think I get a little obstinate in my test and I don't want to do it. Sometimes I call in <coughs> sick. Well, you can't call in sick to the spiritual test. You have to pass the test. And in this particular passage, it's, it's about Zacchaeus. And it says, Jesus had entered and passed through Jericho. And now behold, there was a man there named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd for he was short of stature which means he wasn't very tall. And I can relate to that because there's a whole lot of times I can't see anything that's going on because I'm too short. And, you know, I hang out. You know Pete Dywert. He's about 6 foot 20. He's as tall as can be. And then Timmy Vanderplatz comes, stands next to me. And, you know, I get Corey next to me and Daniel stands next to me. And all of a sudden I'm looking at everybody's navel. You know, I can't see anything. They're all having conversations and I, I'm not even included. So I'm, you know... I'm jumping up and down and waving my arms. And I told Tim Vanderplatz, as long as I'm standing up here, you can come talk to me anytime. You just have to stay right down there. And then those whatever inches that is, that's the difference between me and him. I can see him in the nose now 
when he comes up. I don't have to be looking at his, you know, his chest or something. So I understand what it's like to be short. And Zacchaeus was in a place where he couldn't do anything about that. And I think many times we come into those places, maybe spiritually in our life, where we come into this spot and we know that we can't do it. We know that we can't make it. We know Zacchaeus knew he couldn't be taller. He couldn't make himself grow taller. I tried, you know, all through high school, I hung from things. I thought if I hung enough, parts of me would stretch out. That's no lie. I mean, I know it sounds like a story I'm making up, but I, I really wanted to be tall. So, I mean, like I would hang on stuff, you know, and I would try to get taller and think, you know, someday I'm going to keep growing. And I would always stretch and then let my hair grow a little higher because that made me look a little taller. And, you know, I was doing everything I could because I wanted to be taller. But, but no matter how much I try, I'd never be any taller. And how many of you know, actually, I'm starting to think I get a little shorter, <laughs> you know, as the years are progressing. I'm in more like Zacchaeus' situation here. But, it, but, if, but if you really want to see Jesus, see, Zacchaeus said, I, I want to see Jesus. I want to see who he is. And now he's coming down the street, and Jesus is a big thing in those days. He's a big thing all the time. But in those, I mean, he was big, and they were drawing multitudes of people in crowds, and they were all gathered around, and they were all trying to press. And you see, I mean, you've heard the stories about Jesus. He's touching people and healing people and saying things. And Zacchaeus wants to see that, and he wants to be a part of that. But in this big crowd of people, he's too short, and he can't see anything. It's like being 10 people deep in the parade. You know, how many of you have sat there just hoping you get hit by a piece of candy from Santa Claus float because you can't see anything? You know, what do you do to your little kids? You, you pick them up, you know, you lift them up because they're getting upset. They start crying. I can't see anything, mama. So you pick them up, you know, and you do all that kind of, you put them on your shoulder and, you know. Well, Zacchaeus couldn't do that, but he wanted to see Jesus. And since he wanted to see Jesus, he faced a test in a situation where he could have walked away and just said, well, I'm not today. Today's not my day. And maybe he'll come back next year. Maybe I'll see him again. Maybe there'll be another chance for me. Maybe there'll be another opportunity for me. It's obviously not going to happen today. But if you go and you read on, that didn't happen. It goes on and it says in verse 4, because he was short of stature in verse 3, it says verse 4, so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For Jesus was going to pass that way. Let me see my tree. I didn't have this first service, so I I brought it this service. This is my tree. See, out there in the middle of the desert somewhere, there's this tree. I don't even know if this is a sycamore tree. Is it even real? Yeah. Oh, it is real. So I can't drop it. Okay. Well, I don't know what it is. It's a bonsai tree. But I, when I thought about the sycamore tree, I thought about this thing sitting out there in the middle of somewhere. And everybody's over here, and they're all trying to do what they can. You know, they're all trying to see Jesus, but he's too short. And then what does he do? He looks up, and he looks over here, and he sees this little tree. And it's sitting over there. And it says he ran to the tree, and then he climbed up in the tree. So he didn't just say, oh, there's a tree, forget it, it's too far away. There wasn't just a tree down there, and he said, ah. But he said, he started looking around, and he started seeing, hey, 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 there's a tree. And he's starting to watch, and he starts to see Jesus is walking that way. And so he runs ahead of the crowd, runs ahead of the crowd, and climbs up into the tree. He didn't just stay there. He didn't just say, well, when everybody else follows him, maybe I'll get a look at the backside. You know, he didn't push through the crowd. He didn't get discouraged. He didn't walk away. He faced a test that he couldn't do anything about because he couldn't grow. But he looked up and he looked around. And because he wanted to see Jesus, he looked out and he saw a way. And you may think, well, that's great, but there's no tree in my, <laughs> there's no tree in my test. I don't know what you face. And I don't know what you go through. And I don't know what you're seeing in your life. But he said, there's, there's no tree. It doesn't look like there's a way of escape. Well, that tree was grown by God because some short dude wanted to see Jesus. And so that tree takes a long time to grow. And so God provided a way by growing a tree in the desert. 
Right? And that's part of what I shared about all those years ago. But he grew this tree in the desert for this short little dude so he could run to the tree and climb up in the tree so he could see Jesus. And when Jesus saw him up in the tree, he said, get down out of the tree. I want to come to your house, Zacchaeus. And salvation today has come to your house, he told Zacchaeus. Woo-hoo! Well, good for Zacchaeus that he didn't put his head down and walk away. See, when you face a test and you look around and you know that you don't have anything to make it through that thing. You and yourself have fallen and you and yourself have made mistakes and you and yourself don't have what it takes to get through to tomorrow to get through that thing next week where you've let yourself down or you let your family down or you've let your job down. Or, see, it's, when, when you've been in those places and you're too short and you can't make yourself taller, look up, look around because God's about to make a way for you. But you may have to run and you may have to climb a tree. And see, he books out and he climbs the tree and when he got up to the top of the tree, Jesus saw him and he said, come on down here, my man salvation today this day has come to your house i'm going to come and eat with you i'm sure he was like "Woo, got some climbing skills you know i mean i'm sure he was like ah i'm glad i climbed trees as a kid you never know what those things are going to do all those things that you did as a little kid man it may be the day that god brings a tree and you got to climb it a test is by the means by which the presence the quality or genuineness of anything is determined see he faced a test but his heart his desire was genuine to see jesus And so he ran and he climbed that tree. Jesus, you know, the word always shares about tests and trials and all those kind of things that we go through and face. God tests and and we go through trials, but he does so to strengthen us, to strengthen us and grow us in faith, to strengthen our character, to strengthen us spiritually and grow us to be the next thing. The enemy takes tests and trials and all those kind of things. And if if we don't go through them and we don't complete them, then he takes those things and he uses them for harm in our life. And it becomes disappointment. It becomes discouragement. Maybe the same test, maybe the same trial. But instead of being triumphant, see, instead of having your faith grow, instead of having you spiritually encouraged and, and grown, now all of a sudden, because you didn't go find the tree, because you sat there and put your head down, because you kicked the dirt in the rocks and said, I'm always going to be short. <coughs> see, it's always going to be this way. And I knew I should have been short. Then all of a sudden, you're mad at your parents because they're short. You know, and you're mad at your uncle because he's the shortest guy you know. And, you know, grandma and grandpa aren't real tall, and so now you're upset. Now you're mad at everybody. See, that's all discouragement. all came from the same test but ended up, see, two different things. You didn't run out and get up on the tree. When the opportunity presents itself, run, climb up in the tree. If the mountain is in its way, you cast in the seat and it doesn't go anywhere, and God says go forward, then get up the mountain. Because there's something up there for you. There's something for you to do. In James, and you can be encouraged, it's all right. In James, it says we can It says you're going to face trials. You're going to face all those kind of things. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy. Not when things go right. It doesn't say, My brother, count it all joy when you finally have enough money in your bank account to make it. It doesn't say, My brother, count it all joy when you feel great in the morning. Have you ever been a little creaky in the morning? I had a friend of mine that said, You know, I've said this before. He said he was getting a little bit old because his knee was acting up. The kids, it's Kyle Turner. He's like 28. So I sent him a little message back on Twitter and said, yeah, 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 you're not old, so you have to brace yourself for your first morning cough. When you have... <coughs> That's good. Or your sneeze in the morning. That, I said, you got a long way to go, pal. You tell me about your creaky knee. But it says, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. See, not when it's all up here, but even when you're down here, even when it looks like you've got things going on, even when you're going through a test, even when you're too short to see Jesus in the crowd, count it all joy. It says in the, uh, in the Message Bible, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, not just one mic, but all sides. 
When things are going wrong on the left and the right and the up and the down, the front and the back, when stuff's going all over the place and God says, you got to keep going, you got to keep pushing, you got to keep you got to keep standing for your mate. You got to keep standing for your job. You got to keep standing for your health. You got to keep pushing through. You got to go do this. You got to get up early. You got to stay up late. Whatever he's telling you and doing. A, see, all the, but all these things, man, are all around me. It's a lot easier just to sit and, you know, just do my, eh, just leave me alone. Eh. Well, that's fine. But that's, that, that test isn't going to take you to a new level of faith. That test is going to, if you don't do that, it's going to bring you to a new level of disappointment. And you're not going to like it. But it says, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. This is from the Message Bible. It's 2 through 4 of James. Verse 4 says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Boy, it gets real quiet there. Because we have all all been looking for the back door. We are all looking for the other opportunity. We're all standing there at the mountain saying, I'm not a climber. (laughs) We look up at the tree and say, is there an elevator? Could everybody please just take a knee and let me see Jesus? I don't want to climb. You know, it's like, see, we all try to find a way out because it says, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you may become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. Meaning you need this test to make it to the next level. See, in high school, we, we, you know, we go through, we test kids, do those kind of things. When I, the classes I taught, they were very important because now all of a sudden they moved into more of a college type situation where their tests became their entire grade. I mean, there's a handful of homework here and there, and you can't do the tests without doing the homework. So they're just, man, they're in, a, they're in a heap all over. They're mad because they have to do the homework every day, and the homework's not really counted for them. So then they complain about that. And then when the tests are taken, then the tests are worth all the points. So they, they, they just get very upset. But that's the way that it is, isn't it? In life, you know, I mean, it's the test that you face spiritually. But if you don't do your daily homework in the Word, if you don't spend your time praying, if you don't spend time building a relationship with God, when you get to the mountain, when you get to the tree, you won't be able to climb it, you won't be able to pass the test because you don't know anything about it. So you've got to do your daily work, but the test is important for you moving on to the next level. We don't want to be stuck in the same place. God said, go to the other side. What did God tell you? What did he speak to you? In Mark in chapter 4, you can look here, and Pastor Bill used to teach this all the time. I I just assume it was Pastor Bill, or maybe he didn't preach it as much as I think he did, but I remember this vividly in, in, in my life. It says, on the same day, Jesus, Jesus was with the disciples, and it says, on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. See, much just like the passage that said, count it all joy, not when everything's going well. He said, just count it all joy. When trials and things are coming against you, when you're being pressed from all sides, count it all joy. And in this case, he told the disciples, go to the other side. Get in the boat and go to the other side. Let's all do it. And he got in with them. Well, that's like the best thing, right? I mean, I've heard... You know, I've heard people say it's great to fly with Pastor Bill because I know nothing's going to happen to the, you know, I mean, like, that's a good time to fly. You know, the grandkids will cozy up to Grandma because they're like, yeah, I ain't going to let nothing happen to you. I'll fly with Grandma. And then they say, you want to fly with Uncle John? No, not so sure about him. (laughs) Ah, jury's not out yet. But it said, let us cross to the other side. He didn't say you're going to die in the middle. He didn't say, hey, by the way, he just said, let's just go to the other side. And I've heard a lot of believers say, yeah, I told, God told me to go that direction, but when I got out there, I got ugly, so I came back. Well, that's awesome, because now you just got to row twice as far, because you got halfway there and came back, and you got to run, you're going to have to go right back. You're just going to get tired rowing back and forth all the time. Once you get halfway there, just go the other way. I mean, if you get in the middle and it starts going crazy, just keep going, because you got the same distance to go. Why go back? See, I mean, that, you know, if it's happening, anyway, I'm a math guy, so I understand halves. You don't want to do that. 
It says, now when they had left the multitude and they took him along, Jesus, in the boat with them, and the other little boats were there as well, and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, what? Asleep on a pillow. That's the way it should be. Even though the things are going wild, even though, now not necessarily asleep in the midst of your test, but, but at peace and rest in the midst of your test. See, no matter what you face, he is going to provide for you. It says in Isaiah 43 that he makes roads in the wilderness, right, and rivers in the desert. So if he's, he's going to provide, for, that's a lot. A river in a desert is a big deal. A road in the wilderness, and it's full of trees, and there's a road that goes, that's a big deal. So God's going to make a path. He's going to make a way. He's going to make a place for you. He's going to grow a tree in the desert so that someday when you need it, you can get to that point, you can look up and you can see it, and you can get to it because you need to see what Jesus has for you on the other side. He does that. That's what he does. He makes a way. And these guys were in the middle of the water, but you've got to be able to rest in the middle of your test. So you have to be at ease in the middle of the storm. Not lackadaisical, not doing anything, but I like the duck. The duck looks calm, but his legs are churning like crazy underwater. Always, always peaceful. Inside, praying in the Spirit and listening. But outside, you're at peace. You're just listening to what the Holy Spirit's telling you. These guys are in the middle. The rain is coming. The water's coming. What did Jesus say to you? He said, go to the other side. Then go to the other side. Don't come up with reasons why it won't work. You're going to face a storm. You're going to face a test. I'm just telling you, not to speak bad over you, but that's true. But you're not going to grow in your life if you don't. I mean, you know, we talked about it last time. We don't want any 17-year-old third graders. You've got to pass the test. I mean, get past I-step, you're going to be like a 20-year-old third grader if you don't keep going. It's no different in high school. I mean, you've got to pass the test to get to the next thing. If you're in the boat, man, pass the test. Who wants to go back to the other side? But see, these guys got all upset, and they started getting fearful, and fear wars against faith. But faith will always win if you'll stay in faith. See, if you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your what? Faith. See, he says, if you keep your eyes focused on him, Faith will win. If you take your eyes off of him, what happened to Peter? Right? When he looked around and he saw the wind and the waves and all the boisterous stuff, different story. Always in a boat, always in a storm. Different situation, but he was out there, and what did he do? He saw Jesus, he walked in the water, he took his eyes off, and he sunk. These guys weren't really paying attention to necessarily what Jesus said. I would have been saying, hey, hold on, man. I can say that now. It sounds a lot better. Hey, he said we'd make it to the other side. He said, let's go to the other side. So obviously we're going to make it to the other side. So don't worry about it. He's asleep. Don't bother the teacher. Let's have faith. Keep rowing or whatever you keep sailing or whatever you're going to do. I shared in the first service, we, we, we go to Florida and, and, and Elizabeth and I had started renting this little catamaran thing at the place next door. And it's not like it's giant. I'm, I'm not looking like Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, it's about three chairs big and it's got a sail on it. And uh, we all climb on it. And then she lets me sail her around. Now, she and Rach, they want to, like, throw the sail up and, like, you know, they want to go. I mean, they want to. I, I can understand what the disciples are thinking here because those two want to, like, throw the sails up and go to Puerto Rico. I mean, they're like, hey, hey, trade winds, baby. We can make it, you know. I'm like, we paid for an hour. I don't, I don't know how far an hour is going to get me, but, uh, you know. I don't know if I can do that. And the waves, you know, they're doing this. But the wind always blows away from where we are. And I'm not a good sailor. I put the sail up, and I just ride the thing out. The problem is, when you go out, you've got to come back in. And back in is against the wind. 
And if you think about sailing, sailing works, I know there's a way to do it. But when you think about it, the wind is blowing at me. I should not go forward if I'm being propelled by the wind. So I don't like that. So I start getting very, you know, kind of like the disciples a little bit. I start getting a little, not fearful, but anxious. I want to stay close. I want to stand my 47 yards back and forth. <laughs> right here next to the place where if I got to bail, I can bail. I can make it. And they're like, woo, let's go around the world. You know, I mean, they got this whole idea, let's go to the other side. And I'm like, let's stay close to shore because it's just boisterous out there. <laughs> it is boisterous. The waves are like this tall. <laughs> they're not very high. They're not very high. But I can, under- I can understand their trepidation, even if it's in, you know, a different, a different situation. But that doesn't excuse my trepidation. That doesn't excuse the disciples from having faith in that situation. See, just because you're in a test, just because you're in a trial, just because you face some things, just because it's hard, just because you have to push through, climb the tree, climb the mountain, whatever, just because you have to go to the other side in the midst of the storm, that doesn't excuse you from having faith. Because it gets difficult, you have to keep going and you have to keep rowing. Daniel was in the lion's den. Well, that was a great place for him to be because that's where God wanted him to be. And you think, oh, it was in the place where there were a lot of hungry lions. Well, yeah, but that's the place that God had. Pastor Bill's always said, hey, in the, in the middle of a war in Sudan is a great place if that's God's will for your life. That's the best place for you to be. See, for the disciples at that moment, the best place for them to be was in that boat with Jesus because he said, we're going to the other side, fellas, come with me. That's the will of God for my life right now is to get to the other side with him in the boat. This is the safest place for me to be. Don't jump out. If he's in your boat, stay in your boat. If he's on your road, stay on the road. If he went up the tree, follow him. Grab hold and climb. Abraham's greatest test in Genesis in chapter 22. I shared a little bit about this a few months ago, and it was more the end. It was more the end and not necessarily the beginning. It was about the end and about him sacrificing Isaac in that place or going to sacrifice Isaac in that place to say to God, I don't want anything to stand between you and I. And we used it and taught it in that particular, in that particular time. I used it and taught it as God is looking for a people who won't have anything in between him and them and their relationship and that will say, I'll be a hero for my generation and for the people that have come after me and I'll let go of everything, like Pastor Pam said, and give him 100% of my life. And that, See, this was Isaac. This was his son. This was, this was the guy who he had just stood for for all those years. See, he'd already been tested through this whole thing just to get Isaac. And how many of you know, once you pass the test, you don't want to go back and take another one? And as you go back and read through Genesis, from the time God said, you're the father of many nations, get out of your house and take off from all those things. We're going on like 12 big tests in Abraham's life of those areas of faith. As he began to grow and as he be, See, God's tests take you from one level to the next level in faith in your life. But what happens is you don't forget the, you don't forget the things you learned in the previous level. Math builds on itself, so I understand this principle. If you don't understand the first week, then you're probably going to have a hard time the second week. And if you can't pass the second chapter, you're not going to be able to do the third chapter. Amen, Al. <laughs> so, but you got to, I understand that faith is kind of the same way. There's no way to take the final exam without taking all 12 chapter tests. So you have to go through these tests in these places in your life. And Abraham, in the very beginning in verse 1 of chapter 22, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God did what? Tested Abraham. If he's going to test Abraham, the father of faith, I can pretty much rest assured he's going to test me along the way. I mean, this is the guy who we call the father of faith. See, he is the one who started the whole thing. And so I would assume that if it started with the father, then it goes down to us all the way down to these young sons and daughters as we are. Somewhere along the way, the tests are going to be passed along. I don't know what they are. They may not be the same thing. But see, they're going to represent growth in our life just like they did in Abraham's. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, 
whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. But see, it's the same thing with Abraham. I love it. Abraham doesn't, he doesn't give guff. He doesn't, he doesn't say all these people. He doesn't, I mean, he doesn't go back and do anything. It says Abraham got up in the morning and packed his stuff and took off. So he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. He said, awesome. He said, hey, get all your stuff and get out of here. Where are we going? I'll tell you later. All right, let's go. I mean, how many of you, know? I mean, like, come on, honey, we're moving. Where are we going? I don't know. Just pack up the car. I'll be alone. <laughs> she might go with me. But, you know, I mean, it doesn't always happen. She trusts me. If I said God said, she doesn't care. She's all ready for it. But, you know, I mean, Sarah, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> she even gave a little giggle. But Abram said, hey, don't hold that against her. <laughs> we believe. See, we believe. In verse 3, it says, Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. And he arose and he went to the place of which God had told them. See, he, he didn't go back and consult with people. He didn't go back and ask anybody. He didn't say, God, are you sure? He didn't say, I'll think about it. He didn't say, I'll pray about it, God. He didn't say, cast into the sea. See if it's still there. He said, okay, just got, up, got his stuff ready and took off. Now, that's complete obedience. That's big time. Now, you realize, you know, I mean, he had all these different tests and all these different things where God was always... Now, I don't know if they were necessarily tests. I just think God asked him to do stuff, and he did it. Other people count them as tests, but... It says, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. But then the next, the next part of that sentence is very important because it sets the stage, see? It sets the stage for faith. It sets the stage for God to be able to do something. It opens up a door in his heart to say, okay, God, this is your deal, man. This is your thing. I believe for this kid for all of these years. See, I stood in a place where I was not able to see, like he was short. I stood in a place where I was too old to have a kid. My wife was past childbearing years. There's nothing we could do physically in our lives to fix that. Much like Zacchaeus back in the beginning said, I am too short. There's nothing I can do to see Jesus. He opened up a way. He put a tree out there in the middle of the desert for Zacchaeus to run to and to climb to. Somehow, someway, God made a way in their life to bring Isaac into that place. This is the thing. See, this is the person. This was the promise, the fulfillment of the promise that God had given him. And he's saying, take him onto the mountain. Isaac, and Abraham says, you know what? I trust God more than I trust anything else. I will take him and I'll do that. But I know that if I have to burn him up, that God's going to take his ashes, form him again, breathe into him, do something. But it says in that end of that thing, we will return to you. He didn't say, I will return to you. He said, we would return to you. Me and hopefully he's with me. Me and hey, don't tell the boy where we're going. It was us. See, we will return. He had faith, true faith. True belief that God, see, he had promised and he had granted the promise there was a fulfillment, that God wouldn't take that fulfillment from him, that somehow, even if he had to put the knife in the boy, God would fix something and bring it around. But he was going to climb that mountain. And I imagine from a long way off, that mountain looks small, but the closer you get, how big does it seem? See, in your life, you have a test and you have something that you have to go through. It seems like a small thing in the beginning, but that's a long way away. And the closer you come and the closer you come and the closer you come to that day, the bigger that thing seems. I'm sure by the time he got close, everything started to seem really real to them because all of a sudden, if you read on, Isaac started to pipe up. It says, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took, off, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. So off they went together with all the stuff for the sacrifice except one thing, the lamb for the sacrifice. That's when Isaac spoke, it says. <laughs> Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, my father... He said, here I am. He said, uh, look, the fire and the wood, I get that, but, but, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? 
Where's, where's, you know, what's up? But again, see, Abraham had already opened the door. Once you already open the door to God and say, hey, I'm, I'm going, I'm opening the door, we will return, you might as well go wholeheartedly at this point. He already made the decision. He already opened the door and said, we will return to you. And off he went. Now he's going to go climb that mountain. He's going to throw this kid down in the fire and he's going to take his knife and he's going to lift it up and he's going to hold it over the top of his kid. And he's going to, he's going to do it. He's gone, he's gone all the way. But the reason that he can't is because he trusts God and he knows that God will make a way, that God will grow a tree, that God will bring something. See, God will do something. He's seen it happen in his life because Isaac's right there. He's the proof of it. And he says, Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And if you go on and you read, and it says, and they came to the place which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood on that altar, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He was right here with the knife in his hand. He was going the whole way. He wasn't saying, I'll pretend to climb the hill. He wasn't saying, down at the bottom of the hill, let's just get this over with and save us to climb. He said, I'm going to go the whole way. Goes all the way up the hill. Gets all the way to the point where he takes the thing. He's already said God's going to provide. He's going to make a way. Jehovah Jireh will provide for me in this situation. Jehovah Jireh will provide for you in that situation that you find yourself. Whether it's in the boat in the middle of a storm. See, whether it's a test that you have to do. Whether it's a financial thing. Whether it's a health thing. Whether it's a relationship thing. See, whether, whether it's a craving or an addiction or whatever it might be, God will make a way in your life to get you through that place. But you've got to be willing to get up on top of the mountain and lift the thing and say, okay, man, I'll, I'll lay it all down, whatever it is. See, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, and he looked around, and he said, I'm just too short. I can't do anything about being too short. I don't know what to do. But then he looks up, and he saw a tree, and he said, you know what? If I beat everybody to that tree, and I climb that tree, I'll be the first guy there, and I'll be up in a place where I can see Jesus. Yeah. Off he went. And what happened? As soon as he lifted his hand up, God spoke to him and said, whoa, 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 whoa. That's it. That's it. You've passed the final test. He said, look over there. And there was the ram. There was the lamb that God had provided for him to bring and use as a sacrifice. And they both ended up back in there. And see, because he passed his greatest test, he saw his greatest blessing. Because he climbed the mountain, went the whole way. See, he got up on the top and he said, I'm going all the way. I'm not going to stop halfway. And he raised his hand, and he didn't have to sacrifice him. He got to sacrifice the lamb instead. But he would have. He would have. He'd already opened the door for God to make a, make a way, for God to provide. He already said he and the boy would be back. He already told Isaac, I don't know, man, God will provide a sacrifice for us. And if you go back in Hebrews, it says, man, he knew that God was well enough able. If you read in Hebrews in chapter 11, like somewhere, somewhere back there in the next page, breaking in a new bible so i'm not really even sure where it is so we'll see my pages don't fall out of this one though so that's good but it says he, he would have sunk the knife in him because he knew that god was well able to raise that kid up if that was the case that god would have done something god would have made a way and provided for him some of you may be here today some of us are probably in that position looking at the mountain we've yelled at it we've cast it into the sea we've tried to do all those kind of things and that's true and that happens I mean, something, the enemy brings something up in your path and you begin to speak to it. It says you speak to the mountain, you believe in your heart, you receive the things that you ask. That is true. But if God raises something up in your life as a test, you're not going to be able to cast that test out of the way. You're going to have to go over the top of it and go through that. Today, I just want to tell you that it's possible. And once you get to the top and once you lay that thing down and once you pass that test, you keep going to the other side. Just like it was in the book.
hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.